Let me tell you something. Nowadays, everybody's got to go to shrinks and counselors and go on Sally, Jesse, Raphael and talk about their problems. Whatever happened to Gary Cooper, the strong, silent type? That was an American. He wasn't in touch with his feelings. He just did what he had to do. See, see what they didn't know was once they got Gary Cooper in touch with his feelings, that they wouldn't be able to shut him up. And then it's dysfunction this and dysfunction that and dysfunction my fungal. You have strong feelings about this. Let me tell you something. I had a semester and a half of college, so I understand Freud. I understand therapy as a concept. But in my world, it does not go down. Could I be happier? Yeah. Yeah. Who couldn't? Welcome to the first episode of Cut to Black, a Sopranos sit-down. I am your host, Jim Scampoli, and I host the show here with another person who claims to be an expert on television. You may know us from a little show called Shows What You Know, except I found out the biggest secret. I couldn't contain myself when I found out that my co-host, Jacob Burrows, has never watched The Sopranos. Wah, wah. I'm a little Sopranos baby. I've regressed into a child state because I've been uh, just de demasculated up the wazoo. Uh, I, I am lost. I had a panic attack. I just fell over. I was grilling some dogs. I just fell onto the lighter fluid and it, I burned all my clothes. That's why I'm wearing this now. And I, I completely uh, just... Re realize that my life is a lie and I never watched The Sopranos. So here we are. We're going to watch every single episode, I assume, and talk about all of them. And if you never watch The Sopranos, if you're a little baby like me, you can get reacquainted with the finer things in life and let go of some of your anxiety. And if you have watched it before, great opportunity to rewatch it. Right, Jim? I hope so. Absolutely. As always, there's never a bad excuse to rewatch The Sopranos or to watch it for the first time. Um, now, a few things then before we really get into it. Uh, now, are do you actually, if you could go ahead and hold up your right hand, please. Yeah. And put your hand on your heart, please. Okay. And you say that uh, I solemnly swear that I will only watch an episode uh, a week and just and wait to watch the next episode till we discuss said episode I just watched. Uh, okay, I solemnly swear I will only watch one episode a week and wait to discuss it with Jim. Uh, do you also swear the same thing, Jim? Uh, I also do swear the same thing. Uh, ditto. I put my ditto. hand up and say ditto. Well, because uh, this is an in this is I think just as interesting is going. We're going back in time. I mean, not only because the show was made and like the first episode was in like. I don't think it premiered till 99, but I think they actually shot it like two years or something beforehand, if oh, my yeah. memory serves correct. Because this was actually a show they had shopped around like it was maybe going to be on just regular TV, I think, like Fox or something weird like that. Mm -hmm. And uh, all these networks turned it down. And of course, HBO came in and saved the day. And the rest is history. Um, but see, this is a weird thing because... Who, who watches a show a week? Who watches one episode a week? We live in the age of binging, my dude. You have all of the Sopranos right at the tip of your fingers. You could just 
you could be done by by next week if you wanted to. Yeah, and especially at this point, I know people who specifically wait to watch a show until it's over and then they go through all of it because it's like, I don't want to wait. I, you know, can you imagine just finding out what happens to Tyrion right after you get to know Tyrion? Like, what the fuck? That's so unfair. Yeah. Uh, and we are, so I don't think anyone watches it this way because if you're excited about a show, you watch a lot of it. And if you're not excited about a show, you don't watch it. So we're going to contain our excitement because we do want to get this discussion. And we are time traveling in that sense. And now that when you made me swear, it made me realize, oh, I guess we'll be doing this for well over a year then because there's like 68 episodes or something like that. So uh, strap in, everybody. Strap in. You just planned out your 2018 and then some. Perfect. Um, but yeah, and I, uh, I did want to ask you as well, because like I'm kind of like maybe... I'm steering this journey because in case you haven't already got the gist, I've seen this show. I've seen I've seen a bunch of these episodes many a times, much like many of you listening, I I assume. So I'm almost steering this discussion. Maybe I'm like a therapist, if you will. And you're Mm. my patient. Now, I did want to ask a question. What do you know? I mean, I guess we should say there'll be spoilers for the first episode. I, I don't know if you have to be vague here in case you do know big things that already happen. Do you already know things about The Sopranos from just being a person on Earth? I honestly, I mean, I think it's a really good show for us to do this with because the only thing I know pretty much is in our title, Cut to Black. That's the only thing, more or less, that it was a controversial ending where they cut to black. I don't think I'm spoiling anything because I don't know the circumstances I can assume and I can guess. But I mean, when it comes to the show in general, I knew that it was like a mobster type guy who goes to a therapist and that was kind of the hook, which is a good hook. And I mean, maybe it would, uh, I guess not even people watching it for the first time as it was airing could escape that fact, but, but they do put it together in a nice way where you don't really know for the first little bit of the episode what's going on and then we slowly get into it but as far as like big events uh i don't know anything about the first five seasons at all i don't know any of these characters or what their eventual fates might be uh i i i kind of got this feel that there's going to be stuff happening but no even cultural context all i know is the therapy bit that's what people make fun of or include in the simpsons or whatever that's like the thing and the ending those are the two big cultural touchstones when it comes to the details i've just assumed it's like mob warfare type stuff going on uh but i don't actually know anything okay interesting i wasn't sure because i mean i guess there are two two things to help with that is you know what it's since the premiere anyways it's been like 18 years so (laughs) (laughs) yeah because i do remember even from an outsider's perspective i think you know much like game of thrones now where when there's a big death people might be like oh so and so can you believe it but then i guess if you don't watch it without the context i mean i'm sure if someone just dives into game of thrones now they'll they're aware that there's a thing called the red wedding but they don't know what like what that involves. So. Yeah, and maybe we're helped by the fact that hashtags did not exist in 99. So that kind of assists us, even if there was a lot of... T- like, obviously, I'm aware of The Sopranos, but it's kind of like... I have watched The Wire, so I'm not completely, like, bananas, but I watched The Wire, like, way late, like a lot of people probably. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like... 
I didn't know what The Wire was about, even though I knew everyone say like everyone's saying The Wire. It's hard to pretend you've watched a show when you just know the title. And at least with The Sopranos, they can be like, "Oh yeah, therapy, man. That's great." And I just uh, relieve the conversation as soon as possible. Just smile and nod because you don't want to get back into this whole. You haven't watched this, and I'm like, "I watched The Wire. I'm watching The Wire currently." Okay. Uh, Give but, me a break here. Yeah. Yeah, especially if you're uh, any type of aficionado or anything like that. I, I don't, I've never been like, you, you can't really be proud about not watching stuff. I know people who are like, don't watch Star Wars and it's like a thing. And I have always just felt shame over the things that I have not watched that I should watch. I haven't been like, oh no, I never watched that because blah. Well, and that's similar to, you know, you see people post these days of like, I don't watch Game of Thrones and I'm proud of it or something. And it's like, well, we don't care. I mean, it's a good show. Uh, I think you should watch it, but I don't know why you're proud you don't. Yeah. Um, but the, the other thing, and obviously we're not going to be able to answer this question yet, but I think it'd be interesting to hear your point of view now that we're in this like peak TV, like we've had Breaking Bad. We've had the shield, although you haven't watched the shield. That's another one I think we're gonna have to do. Yeah, that's shows 19. Yeah. <laughs> I like shows with these, you know, anti-heroes, uh, where it was kind of a big deal uh when the show came out and became as popular as it was because you know, you just weren't used to that. Uh so it'd be interesting to see how that holds up. Cause you know, it's always that thing where you know, hey, I'm a young kid. I've listened to music all my life, and I think the Beatles are overrated or something. Uh, you know, something an idiot. No, yeah, yeah, I, I get it because, like, maybe I would watch this, and I'm like, just another show. But like, that's what we say when we go back and watch Casablanca or whatever. We're like, it's decent, or you know, the Citizen Kane, more famous example. You watch Citizen Kane, you're like, it's just a movie, and then you watch another movie from that age, and it's like all fucking vaudeville and piano, like black and white piano, and like they're miming everything. It's like, oh yeah, maybe that was a genius uh, piece of media because yeah, we're we're in serious anti-hero territory, and it's like so clearly not what a lot of television was at that time especially even looking at like i was just checking out david chase's previous work and things like that and i haven't really watched well i don't it's i i was looking up like this show northern exposure that he worked on earlier on like cbs and yeah, some other I like remember that show yeah and i was just thinking about what sort of television was c being cooked up around this time and obviously, I don't know, I've only watched one episode of this, but it's, I think it's uh, probably, like, it makes sense when people say what an impact it's had, because I watch this now and I'm like, oh, if this show came out now, it would be, it would be, make perfect sense and be really good and, like, fit in with what we're doing now, uh, like, yeah, almost 20 years later. So that's why I, I get it. And then the the other thing, this is kind of a more of a minimal thing uh, that I think would be interesting, uh, being that it is, yeah, almost 20 years uh, removed now, just kind of the technology aspects, uh, which it's not a big deal, but, you know, like, it's like he's bringing over a CD player and that's kind of supposed to be interesting. And there's a scene where Meadow gets on his computer and you hear like the, you've got mail. And so it's like, uh, you know, it's like a period piece, right, guys? You know, late 90s, ah, pre-9-11, one distant time. Uh, yeah, I was even thinking when they're beating up a guy, like, if that was now, everyone watching would just have their phones out 
and like that's evidence then and i guess like the way things work doesn't matter about evidence because i mean maybe i don't know if it's supposed to feel that way but it feels obviously like kind of weird to go and beat someone up in public just because it's kind of showing that's one of the first scenes where we get what he's doing uh his business and he's beating someone up in public and I, I i mean i'm sure that's strange as that was strange in 99 too i know it's not like it was the wild west as such but but i still wonder how different that would be doing it today or is it just show like because today that scene would be like our leader has gone out of control. He's beating people up in public. We can't be doing this. There's CCTV footage everywhere and blah, blah, blah. But I guess it doesn't matter if the person you beat up doesn't press charges or whatever. So, yeah. Yeah, you just have that power, just that uh, that underground, the power of the underground. But I think you're completely right. That it's even still, even with the mob rule or, you know, the uh, assumed power they have to at least skate on something like that, it would be different today because, yeah, it would just be on YouTube and uh just on D facebook and everything like that so i think that's kind of like there's a few things we we want to do with this show uh kind of like what we're talking about obviously we're going to break down episode by episode um but i think it would be interesting to look at it in kind of a modern light and and especially how it compares to tv because sopranos it's we're not going out on a limb saying sopranos helped bring us to this you know golden age of tv we're in now uh so and, and of course we got jacob here with his newbie point of view so come along for the ride people and also yes. solemnly swear to watch an episode a week yeah only one episode a week and no more because uh <laughs> unless we finish this podcast i guess you could binge this podcast as you're binging yeah. the sopranos if you're listening in 2020 when the robots have taken over uh, I just wanted to mention as well on that front of like the future, like us being in the future or whatever. It's interesting that the reason or one of the reasons behind him going to a therapist and one of the first things he's talking about is like the good old days. Like he's saying, like I came in at the end. It feels like, and now like obviously things have progressed in a different way before them. But he's already then thinking about the past and how it compares to his present. And we're over here looking at that like, 99, man, not everyone had a camera in their pocket. Weird. Um, so it's kind of interesting. Well, and especially, he... uh, sorry to cut you off. That's no, fine. Tie in with that. Because especially when he's looking at the newspaper, it mentions like the year 2000. So again, like everyone had that like Y2K idea, like, uh, and plus with, I mean, I guess we're kind of getting into the episode as well. The, with throughout the episode, it, it's all, it is about, you know, generations because, you know, and then when you add us, Jacob and Jim into the mix with this mm -hmm. cut to black show, like you said, we're here in the present day because you have Tony feeling like he came in at the end. You have his uncle and his mother that feel like, oh, their generation's the one that ruined it. But Tony's thinking that he's already in at the end. And then the people coming in after him, like his uh, nephew, Christopher, uh, got it made, don't understand the trials and tribulations that he had to deal with. And then, of course, you have Meadow, his daughter, dealing with uh, like her mom and what that all entails. So, yeah, I, I think that's a that's like a pretty interesting thing that's going on for the setup of the show. Yeah, absolutely. Um so uh, do you have a summary of the episode or do I have a summary of the episode to like read through as we go or what do you how do you want to lay this out um I mean I kind of have just basic notes of the show uh 
I mean, like it, it starts out and I believe this is kind of what like David Chase always described it as almost like the start of a joke where it's like guy walks into a psychiatrist's office. Yeah. And then kind of like the punchline here is that he's uh, like a mob capo. He's like the captain of his own crew. And uh, one of the other things with like looking at it from a time point of view is uh, I think the other thing, the other interesting thing to think about for when the show came out is that even like talking about therapy and kind of prescription, like antidepressants was kind of more of a new thing as well in a weird way, uh, as far as like talking about anxiety and anxiety attacks and Prozac and Zoloft and stuff like that. Not that it's like completely accepted and celebrated now, but it seems like it's more of a, common thing to hear about and throw in as like a quirk about a character like oh he's on prozac over here look at this guy i can't believe it um but yeah i mean that's what we start out with tony meets his doctor dr melfi and he's you know going about his day because he's, he's had an event in his life that's led him to talking it out with a therapist because they've run all these tests and they don't know why he collapsed and passed out in his backyard during a barbecue and we start to learn about Tony's life. And he has this thing where these ducks have moved into his backyard and he's like obsessed. It's like there's a few things, a few times that we see Tony happy. We see yeah. him happy when the ducks come into his pond. And then we see him happy when he's telling, I mean, he's not telling the story to his doctor, but we, the audience, are seeing how he gets to chase a man down in his car. <laughs> Yes. And you see that he's very happy. Like he's got a smile on his face. He's having a, he's having a good old time. Yeah. I love how he's, it's like, he's playing Mario Kart or something. Uh, and yeah, it's, it's true what you said as well. The ducks. It's like, we find out about the ducks before we, in the fiction of the episode, find out what he does for his business. Like we've, it's, it's a good way of like introducing something that obviously comes back at the end of the episode and like is a part of the through line. It's just nice uh symbolism and structure as such but it's also just in a, on a more simple level making him uh a three-dimensional character immediately because we start with him like walking into the pool like throwing food to the ducks almost frantically and his fa family's watching him like he's f doing the duck thing again <laughs> and and we like get to meet his family and stuff and uh, in a way, it's kind of an obvious way of, of doing it, but also it's it's very effective, too, because obviously these are uh, very good actors as well, portraying these people and, and managing to make them uh, likable off the bat. And as, as well, I mean, now it's kind of gone out of fashion to do voiceover uh, or rather to do, you know, uh, uh, an inner monologue or whatever for a character and the kind of excuse or whatever that they have here that he's, you know, telling his therapist it works so well because there's uh, this element of an unreliable narrator going on where he says one thing and we see another and all of it kind of adds to this complexity that that's right from the get-go after 10 minutes we already have all these different layers to this character and to this show we're gonna watch yeah and it's 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 such a smart choice and it's really effective the way the conversation in the therapist's office interrupts kind of the story or the narrative because uh yeah like when we see that he's about to get into kind of the mob part of his family like the mob family side and you know they see a guy that owes them money and then you hear like well let me stop you right there and it comes back and 
she kind of it's it's a nice way to get some exposition out of the way but it's also an interesting you know way to keep you invested because you like want to hear the rest of the story but she's also telling us the show because you know yes we have client patient confidentiality but clearly that doesn't mean if you tell me that someone gets murdered or hurt or some sort of crimes being committed i can't that doesn't cover that i'd have to go to the authorities and tony being the charismatic uh guy that he is oh he just shakes it off like oh what do you mean you know we went out we got some coffee and uh we get to have like kind of it's kind of more of like a cliche mob scene you would see where you know you play kind of the 1950s like doo-wop but then you have a uh, a car chase going on and then uh he hits the guy and, like breaks his leg and they get to beat him up in front of everyone like we were saying <laughs> yeah yeah exactly and i mean the therapist conversation as well kind of guides the structure in an interesting way because tony is bringing like the story in one direction later in the episode and the therapist will cut in like talk more about your mother or whatever and then we're off in that direction because he doesn't have even though he's like this as i said like an unreliable narrator who, who tells he wants to tell a story and portray himself in a certain light against her uh she's also guiding it and trying to get like there's motive behind the voiceover as well like it's not like dexter saying it's gonna happen every night and so on and so forth um there's an actual story going on there as well to the point where after a while um i mean we'll, we'll go more into the details i'm sure but at one point he uh gets up and leaves and then there's no meta narrative going on anymore because we're inside like now we're in his life and then he falls over again and he's back and it's such a great way of showing that he wouldn't be doing this if he didn't have to and also showing like the progression of several layers of the story as it were and how they affect each other because obviously i would have thought if i like were to guess i would have thought that he would meet his therapist outside of the of the of the like yeah, of the therapy place he would meet her in like episode five or something but it's episode one he meets her outside and sort of helps her get into a restaurant and kind of these worlds are already connecting in more ways than you'd expect in the very first episode yes yeah yeah i do love that moment because you know she's with like her husband or a date or what have you and uh He's trying to be like, wait, come on, we had reservation. What are you doing? And, you know, he's getting nothing. And then Tony comes in with someone who isn't his wife and, you know, immediately gets a sit down and they have a little brief interaction. And uh, you see the power he has because now all of a sudden, you know, they have a table. It's like, this, it, yeah, it, it's a great way to mesh that together. And it's also interesting and something the show uh of course is going to explore more and more because like you said he's an unreliable narrator as far as he's but he's but he's talking to his therapist and if there's anywhere you should be at least a bit more honest maybe not confessing crimes but it's supposed to be your therapy so how is this really going to work it's already kind of showing you in the beginning this is probably not a great idea or it's not going to be helpful as it should um and going back a quick a uh, little bit, like I do love that. Like I'm coming in at the end of something at the beginning. I, I I do I think David Chase talked a lot about how The Sopranos is kind of about America, and yeah. everyone likes that. It, it doesn't tie into just America, but just generationally, 
in uh, in general everyone likes to think like well we're the end like it's all the good stuff's over especially if you're an older person and maybe your dreams didn't come true or as such yeah. you just like to feel like oh it's over that's it and i know i guess what i'm saying is like depression in general that's just <laughs> that's how depression yeah. but yeah and i mean it's a common thing yeah and um shit what was it what was i gonna say the tony in in general like has this reverence for the past and then there's his um well i'm sorry i lost the thread of what i was gonna say but okay. connecting to what connecting to what you said there is that fantastic scene where he brings his daughter to the church and talks about how they built it and oh, yeah it's like that's kind of the climax of that whole scene uh unrelated note uh the therapist's date is called like nils Bolund. sounds very swedish to me and yet <laughs> the actor is called like phil Cacchiletio or something like that, Cacchiletti, and um, that's interesting. I don't know if that character ever appears again, so I won't really comment on it. But I just thought it was interesting. Um, yeah, there's their Swedish connection right there, right off the bat. Yeah, I'm so invested in this character, and I wonder what's going to happen. And I'm sure he'll he'll be real central moving forward. Uh, where were we in the actual episode, though? I, we're kind of jumping around a little bit, but I'm taking it back just a little bit. Uh... I love when he comes back in after like this is a, after he first is talking to the ducks and his family. They're all kind of like rolling their eyes at him. Well, I I love when he's yelling. He's like, they're going to fly. Hey, kids, come look. The, 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 the ducks, they're trying to fly the babies. And then when he comes in and he has his bird book is already like sitting there on the counter. And he's you could see there's like a bookmark and some notes kind of on it. Yeah. Uh, and then when he's in the car with Christopher, I just love that he's he's really putting in the research to learn about these ducks um and then yeah like like we were talking about with generationally because then we see christopher and you know i guess at the time he's not a millennial but tony's acting the way people act now where it's like ah look at this kid he's so entitled he thinks he should have anything and in uh, most of it he's kind of right like he's telling the truth but then yeah. he's also He's also treating him the way, I mean, he even says it later in the episode, like he wasn't raised with, you know, compliments and like, hey, good job. It was just kind of, what have you done for me lately? Nothing's good enough. Yeah. Um, and that's where we start to see like how Christopher feels like he's owed more and maybe he's going to try to take an initiative. And then we start to learn about uh, Tony's uncle, uh, Uncle June, Uncle Junior. And it's a great moment because... We have uh, Silvio comes in to talk to Tony and he asks him about his friend. He's like, didn't you know a guy named Artie Bucco who owns a restaurant? And he's like, yeah. And he's like, well, your uncle is going to put a hit out on Pussy Malenga, I believe his name is. And uh, it's great because the reaction isn't like, oh, he's going to kill this guy. He just kind of looks at him like, yes, yeah, so and he's like, oh, he's going to do it at that restaurant. And like, oh, like now it's a thing. You know what <laughs> yeah. I mean? Now it's a big deal all of a sudden. And that kind of becomes one of the big through lines of the show is that Tony's trying to help his friend, like, I mean, help him by keeping a murder, not like stopping a murder, but keeping it from happening at his restaurant and kind of getting that, uh, ruining his business. Yeah. I mean, at one point, I, I guess I get why he can't just say, hey, someone's going to get murdered, go to the Caribbean. Like, I get it. But also it feels like, well, it'd probably be easier than blowing up his kitchen just to say, like, because he's like you got it hey i got him comped that's not really like putting any pressure but if you leveled with him and was like 
look, if you don't go, something bad is going to happen, and I'm not threatening you. Okay, maybe it would be complicated, because if, if you say that, you know, you don't want to bring in that business when they're already upset about, or the, his wife is upset that they're even just eating there, and it's like, well, what am I supposed to say? Yeah, yeah, like, I, I think you're right, because it seems like, it does seem like it should be a simple situation, but then when you really start to play it out, like, say you are this person with these connections, and you are in this world you even if it's someone you know and you consider a friend uh you can't really put yourself like you can't put yourself out there even with some type of hint like that and he's just running around like yeah he tries to give him a free trip some comp tickets and his wife looks at it in the right way uh because you don't want to owe these people anything and yeah. i feel like knowing what the show like being watching the show and knowing what tony is it would be something where even though it, he was helping him down the line he would think hey remember i gave you a free trip how yeah. about we such and such do this and this uh so yeah i think it's a real interesting kind of conflict to throw in and again this is the first episode and we're kind of already in this mindset of a mob like we're mob bosses and trying to be like hmm how would i handle this situation <laughs> yeah, <of> how would <laughs> i how would I get this guy murdered somewhere else? Like, that's just how effective the writing is in the, in the show. Yes. And it's around about this time when he's trying to resolve this. We also get introduced to his mother, apparently inspired by um, the showrunner's own mother uh, <laughs> with her controlling behavior and just in general, very displeased with everything, even though Tony's trying to do stuff. Um, and, you kind of got to recognize this thing of like when his father was alive, he was like nothing. And now he's a saint because he's gone and can be glorified. And, you know, one of the big lines of in the, well, one of the storylines in the show is he's trying to get his mother into some sort of place. But he, I, I genuinely think from his side, he's trying, trying to improve her quality of life, but it all gets interpreted as, no, you're trying to put me in a nursing home. I've seen these Women in wheelchairs and everything. And yeah, these women babbling. And uh, it's not a nursing home. It's a retirement community. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that's all very good. Uh, Olivia Soprano is such a great character. And the actress that plays her, Nancy Marchand, is so good. Uh, I mean, she does pass away like in real life, um, which is a bummer. But she's so good Spoilers. on the show. Yeah. <laughs> And especially, like, I love her lines in this scene. Like, because you learn so much about their relationship in this short scene. Because, you know, he's trying to do something nice. He's trying to get her the, the old music's now on CDs. But she's doing things like he says he's not, he, he already ate. She still makes him the eggplant. Uh, she won't answer the phone after dark. Uh, yeah. <laughs> And I love when uh, he's tell like he's like yeah you're gonna come to AJ's birthday right, and she's like only if I'm picked up and dropped off. I don't drive when they're predicting rain. It's such a, it's su like the the little things she's needling him with. You kind of get that this is always it. And yeah, there it's not a big. A lot of these things aren't big deals, but you could totally see where if there's always a little comment or if there's always a little problem that they could just totally, like he says, like he, the way he talks about how she worked his dad down to a little nub, like you kind of see that yeah. uh, all in played out in this scene. 
and not that Tony's the best guy anyways. I'm sure like yeah. he's done his fair share, but you, you totally get it. Yeah. And combined with his daughter, like wants to go to Aspen. And then at one point is found sneaking in. I think her explanation was like, Steve's got a swim meet or whatever. What am I supposed to not go see Steve before his thing? She goes, I, yeah, uh, Steve's swim meet is tomorrow and he needed me. And I, again, you from that one line, you know that whole, like, what happened. Like, he was either messenger or something. And it's such a teenage cliche melodrama. Like, it would be some CW show all about that and how the parents were wrong because he, he there's drama going on. And how is he supposed to deal with this with the swim meet? <laughs> yes, very true. So with that and his mother combined, when they go to the home, he he that's when he gets his second collapse after he walks out of the therapist's office and comes right back after falling over again. Uh, and it's, I mean, nice small touches like his mother's like, oh, it's so bad there are doctors here. And then he falls over. He's like, where's a doctor? We need a doctor. Um, so yeah, he gets right back into therapy again. And, and like the line you had from the start is a really good one. And also, of course, there's a part where he actually starts to realize why he's having this anxiety, what the ducks represent, which is all based on a very silly dream, um, which is kind of almost like a joke dream where, you know, his penis falls off and then it, like, because he's screwing a thing in his belly button and then a bird comes and grabs it and flies away. And then just from that, the therapist gets at, uh, it's like the it's the ducks they represent family because they came and they were a family and then, then when they flew away that that showed your you were overwhelmed with the fear of your family going away, yeah. which kind of like that's something you would put in a show as a metaphor without like hammering it home and I don't think this is hammering it home but I think because they're going into his psychology they get to like express those things on the level of the story, what they represent. Because in a well-made film, you have these types of symbols going on, uh, but you don't like need to do that sort of thing. But here you get to have it as part of the story. And then at the end, you also get to have the filmic part of panning over to the empty pool when the family goes in, which is such a great ender. And that's such a cinematic thing to do that you wouldn't do in a CW show, for example. Yes, yeah, and I think you really nailed it because typically if they tried to hammer it home, it would feel forced. But since they have this uh, framing of you know the therapist discussion, it doesn't feel forced. It feels like a natural thing where you can fill in some of the audience who's not picking it up because it's you know it's filling in Tony because Tony's not seeing it, and it, it's a legit excuse on why someone would maybe be explaining some of the stuff so it, it's such a smart way to do it without it coming off as like uh you think the audience is dumb or sloppy um I, one thing well i'm sorry go ahead. do you have another thing no i was gonna go into more of the nephew killing a guy and and all of that and i think in a different show um because it's about family and because it's about these things you focus on that and they talk about like this other like polish or whatever czechoslovakian family and how they're trying to get this business you talk about it but you only ever see one member of their family who gets shot in the head mm -hmm. um but but like 
when when someone says it's like a, a mob show, you imagine like you see the one crime boss and he's doing this and they make these plans and then you see the other crime boss and they're like doing their reaction and stuff. But it's not really about that. It's about what's going on within this family. And so we see like how a problem is handled, like how it's more important about the restaurant kind of than someone getting killed. Uh, and it's more important what you do with the body than if you actually killed someone, like, because first they're going to dump it and pussy, because apparently there's two characters called pussy in this show. Yeah. And the, the my pussy, as Tony says, his it's, pussy says, what do you, we can't do this after they throw the body. They're like, no, we can't do this. Come on, let's just cut him up. And <laughs> so they, they do that. Uh, they go that route instead. And in the end, you just kind of hear from someone, oh, yeah, they backed out. And it's like, that's how the mob part, at this point at least, is expressed. And in, like, little meetings in a strip club, because that's also where Tony gets to, when he's on Prozac, uh, be more of a, a good boss and figure out, like, a creative solution rather than just Mario Karting someone down in the street where he gets this idea based off all the brain scans and stuff they were doing to him. And hey, we can do like a phony thing and get some money and have a discreet conversation on a bridge. What, just a regular <laughs> bridge that we walk on. It's not, it doesn't matter that it looks like the fucking bridge in uh, fucking uh, Force Awakens or, or <laughs> yeah, you know, Moria or whatever. No one's going to die on this bridge for sure. Um, <laughs> and those are all good bits. I just think it's interesting that it's it's... It's not quite what you imagine just from saying a mob show, you know? Yes, and especially because Tony's learning a little bit from therapy, but then he's just he's learning how to be a better criminal in a weird yeah. way. Like yeah. he's like you see why uh because part of uh even with like his uncle, like he has this budding rivalry with his uncle and part of it they mention it stems from his uncle was, you know, jealous of his father who probably got pushed ahead of him at certain times and now his nephew. But then you see maybe why, because Tony is like this weird criminal mind because he goes through all this stuff like MRIs and tests. And then he beats up a guy in front of an HMO, like an insurance company. And then he starts spinning in his head. Oh, we could make fake claims and just take all that money for ourselves. Uh, yeah. We got this guy on the line. And yeah, I love that. They, you know, it would seem to be a rule in a first episode to not have two characters with similar names. Like, you know, you got Big Pussy and Little Pussy, and they use it as like kind of a fun, like little goof where, yeah, he's like, uh, they're like, he's going to, he's going to kill Big Pussy. And like, what? <laughs> Big Pussy? My Pussy? No, he's going to kill Little Pussy. Oh, Little Pussy. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I just love how that all spins together because. Yeah, we're in for a ride because this guy is going to anything positive. He's going to kind of take it and use it for evil purposes. <laughs> well, well like, that's go. Yeah, that stuff is um, about like having two characters with the same name for me as a first time viewer. Like I, it's probably a good idea to focus so much on like his very core family. It's very easy to tell apart his daughter and his son and it's easy to tell apart like his mother and his uncle these things make sense and then like there's just these other characters around and they're to me they're kind of a blur like you're like oh silvio comes in and says this i'm like okay fine like i'm sure i will like the point is those things can be developed so much more moving on and i'm sure they will be and i will know all their names by at one point but 
but it also doesn't really matter at this point either. You oh, get sure. the yeah. important shit in the first episode, and I think they they got that balance uh, really well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then uh, we we haven't gotten too much into it yet, but they they tell a lot to the audience about Tony and Carmilla's relationship, kind of like right from the jump. Yeah. Um, and because even when he's when he's getting his MRI and they think maybe it is cancer or brain tumor or something like that, uh, she's still like angry with him enough to make the comment like. The difference is if I if if you die, you're going to hell. And it's like, but you don't hate her because you kind of get that it's almost deserved, but it's really such a fucked up thing to say to somebody when uh they're about to have an MRI and yeah. and you think they could be uh a brain tumor or something like that. And then you know, it's it's hammered home throughout the episode because yeah, we have that sequence where he comes into the restaurant with his guma. You'll start to learn a lot of these uh like mob yeah. terms and and I like how they they I like how they bring it up because she just says it initially like oh like a guma on the side and, and then he's like I haven't seen her in over a year or whatever he says so it kind of tells you immediately what a guma is yeah. and you see how everyone's kind of complicit in it like he shows up at the restaurant he helps Melfi everyone the restaurant knows and welcome welcomes him there and then he comes in in the next scene with Carmel and they're like oh why don't you come around anymore we haven't seen you in forever yeah. Uh, and uh, it's it's a it's a nice scene too though when he confesses because to him it's such a big deal that yeah, he it's shame it's way more shameful than having a guma yeah yeah and and I love the moment where she moves her drink and she's like I'm just getting it in place to throw it in your face like oh what you're gonna confess here yeah and, and he's like you're always with the drama with you <laughs> and yeah he's just confessing that he's talking to a therapist and. You know, we like to talk like a lot of things like to tackle, I guess, toxic masculinity uh, in 2018. But, um, you know, obviously, that's a big part of this show. Like who's who who is going to have more shame than, you know, a tough, burly mob boss than to try to tell people that he collapses because he's so emotional. He collapses and passes out because of his emotion and he needs to talk to somebody about, you know, real things going on in his life. So. Uh, again, and this is all still the pilot, so we're yeah. you're covering a lot of ground with like shorthand, but in such a skilled way. And he says like to her, like I'm only telling you because you're my wife. You're the only one I'm honest with, and she's like, yeah, right. But in a way, uh, it, I mean, he's right because we even just see his nephew when they're disposing of the bodies. Like, oh, what? Like when he fell over? Like it's weird. What would you do if he was disabled or whatever? <laughs> it's like why are you even talking about that? And of course, I mean, towards the end, because Junior, Uncle Junior, just great name, by the way, is so upset about like the, the restaurant, which they eventually blow up, um, that he like talks to her, to his mother in the car and like, oh, you know, about how he should have a bigger hand. And they're talking about generations and about how this generation isn't any good. And yeah, what you mentioned, I also thought of like, because he's saying the same stuff about the next generation, Tony, and then they're saying it about him. And everyone wants to think that they're the last people doing anything reasonable. And yep. when you look back at your husband, you're like a saint. And then when in actuality, you didn't treat him very well at all and didn't care about him when he was alive um, because you all glorify the past. Um, but anyway, it's interesting just in the wikipedia summary it says um 
When, while driving uh, Olivia to the party, uh, an embittered junior floats the idea of eliminating Tony if he continues interfering in his business. Significantly, his sister-in-law's reaction is to silently look the other way. And I'm like, significantly? That's not what you should say in your summary, but it is true. That's a good description of what happens. Yes, yeah, because he gives that little look where he's talking about, you know, friends of ours say that, junior maybe you should be running things maybe you should have a bigger piece of the pie so you know who knows and then he has a little like kind of side look to see what her reaction might be um so yeah yeah i i love that stuff because it is and it and it it's great to think that you know christopher today in 2018 would be complaining about the millennials now and how they think everything should be handed to them. They think they should immediately go to the front of the line. Yeah. Come on, what's going on here? Uh, so it's just great to see that, like with the history, just the cycle. It's just everyone thinks that everyone thinks they should be the last generation. They're the last ones that did it great. Everyone else is going to ruin it. Um, I, except they're all wrong. Obviously, now everything's getting ruined by those young I, kids on YouTube. Yeah. Right. Vine. Vine has ruined everything. And um, then uh, back to like the Carmilla and Meadow, um, because she's just being the melodramatic teenager that wants to go to Aspen with her friend. And she even has like a dumb comment like, you know, this is Aspen on Christmas. How many times could that happen? And it's like it could happen every time, literally. Like it's yeah. not a thing that's going away. Uh, but we 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 get this moment like Carmilla is trying to uh you know re reconnect with her daughter and you know she brings up this tradition they have where they go to the plaza hotel and have it like a tea party and get all uh fancied up and it's showing uh we've seen this in other shows where Gilmore girls. That, yeah kids kids can be really mean and maybe it's just watching it like watching it now when i'm in my 30s to watching it when i was like not even 20 uh I, I guess maybe I don't know if I have a different point of view now where you understand like, oh, man, that probably really hurt her feelings when she's like, I only went because you like it. Like, uh, I think it's lame. Like, I think. Yeah. It, and she's like, oh, I thought this would be a tradition. And then you get into that. How are you supposed to lecture your kids when Meadow, you, you already get that she's a smart girl and people understand what their lifestyle is. So how are you like as as someone who is making money and have all these things because of crime and breaking the law and, you know, hurting people, she she's trying to tell Meadow, like, you need to get it in your head that you can't just break. You can't lie and cheat and break the rules you don't like, yeah, which is right. like a side comment, but they don't really go there. But yeah, it's basically just a look of like, yeah. come on. <laughs> yeah. And um yeah, I you mentioned earlier that um, this therapy stuff, he might just use it for evil. And in a way, that I think that feels true. But also, in the end of this episode, there's a scene with his uh, nephew where he, he goes to him. And I feel at the beginning of the episode, he would have just, you know, been mad or collapsed all over him or something. I don't know. But, yep. you know, when, when he actually brings up that you don't give me anything in response like a little a little pat on the back would have been appreciated and i can't imagine tony soprano at the start of this episode saying you're right to yep. anyone kind of um which is funny that we get you know both sides of the equation because at the same time he also like grabs him really angrily and shakes him around but then they're smiling and stuff like it seems to be fixed for now um 
but he is like making progress and it's i mean it's like you said the idea is almost a joke like guy walks into a therapist's office but and and it's such a i don't know it's such a thing that's why it's in all of like the simpsons references or whatever that you might see to the sopranos like that's the thing but it also i realize watching it now finally that it makes sense on a story level because a good story always has character development that's yep. the reason you go to a therapist. A therapist could be called a character developer. They're supposed to make you realize things, truths about yourself and grow as a person and act differently. And it's such a great mechanic or whatever to get that going. Um, and I don't know how close, I, I'm, I'm going to assume from how many episodes there are that it's not, and also like, I don't know, just a general feeling is I don't think it's going to be for me guessing every episode like i go to a therapist and i learn a new lesson about life but <laughs> but you also see how that could be the thing like or or it's all in place to let you have something grow and i don't think it's gonna be sitting in there every episode for 68 episodes and fucking realizing that everything's a metaphor for everything but it it works it, it works it's not just a joke yes yeah and yeah, I love that moment, too, because, yeah, we as the audience, we know, like, that's kind of a big deal that Tony uh, does admit, like, you know, OK, you know what? You're right. Uh, that's how I was raised. And uh, I did make a mistake there. But then Christopher's so, like, kind of dumb. He doesn't pick up on that being, like, a good moment because yeah. he just still he like pushes him even more. He's like, I could go and talk to Hollywood and sell my story. And and then, yeah, then we see what we kind of can assume is the real Tony because yeah, he grabs him and he's like, yeah, you're going to go fucking Henry Hill on me. Uh, it's nice. Good. There's, that's another good reference. The other good reference is the, when the priest or whatever, like this priest, he's asking uh mob boss's wife, like what mob movies he <laughs> likes. Like, so yeah. Great. Uh, but yeah, yeah. Then we see Tony, like the kind of hulking tough guy, Tony kick in and you know, really like set them straight and you're right then it's just kind of like oh okay you know this is uh, the life we chose uh this is what we do um but yeah everything comes together really nice and it's uh it's such a great pilot uh obviously seeing knowing the show is herald is one of the best shows ever but going back to the pilot and being like wow they really kind of told you a lot in an hour and really set you up for this uh journey if you will well, fuck, now I, I didn't think it was a problem at the start of the show, but now I'm starting to feel shaky. How am I not going to watch for a week? <laughs> like, oh gosh. Yeah, now, because I'm so used, I'm part of this new generation ruining everything. Like, we're just oh. free-based TV, show TV shows into our veins directly. Uh, we don't do this. It's going to be a bit tricky, I feel, but I guess it's like... Uh, suspended gratification or whatever it'll make the climax all the better once we get to it uh because even just talking about this i'm like yeah great and now i want to watch the next episode uh, and i can't i can but then i'm gonna need to stop for a week yes. so uh but i did swear i will do it it's just uh making me realize just talking about it that 
uh, I think this is a good idea for us to do because it's a lot to talk about um, just in one episode, which isn't always the case. Sometimes we talk about a whole season of a show and we don't have that much to say about it. And the reason I think this is a good idea, Cut to Black, uh, is that this show has very obviously left a huge imprint on the television we watch today. Um, and we're going to be able to learn a lot from it, I feel. Yeah, and um, I will say, like, like kind of what you're talking about, how the show spelled it, spelled it out a bit with the ducks, but it still works as far as the character and stuff like that. I, I do feel like this is one of those shows that taught me a lot about writing, and because you know, I watched it as much younger. I watched it as it was airing, and when they do have moments like that where they kind of tell you what's going on, you're like, oh. And then when you're watching other things, you start to pick up on it. So yeah. I feel like if it is a show you haven't watched before, and um, you don't always try to do that, you don't always try to look for you know meanings and stuff like that. I think it's a good show to kind of train you a little bit. It's a uh, it's a uh, it's a crash course, if you will. Um, so I think that's that's an interesting thing to get into as we get into more episodes. Yeah. And before we wrap up here, I did want to mention, uh, dear listener, you may be hearing this on our Shows What You Know feed, but we have also got a uh, Cut to Black podcast feed as we're doing this as a separate show and we don't necessarily want to flood the feed. We're not, we haven't figured out exactly how we're going to do it, but if you want to join us on this ride, please do find and subscribe to our Cut to Black podcast feed. But speaking about shows what you know in general, because and, shows what you know... Oh, sorry, what did you say? I didn't mean, to, I was talking over you, but... And submit reviews there if you could. Yeah, that would also be great. Um, if, if you are... Um, if you are on showswithyouknow.com, you know that this is your television podcast because you can leave an iTunes review, as we mentioned. And if you suggest a show for us to watch, we are guaranteed to do an episode on the show you suggest. But there is a time limit on that. Get your view, get your review in by the end of this month. That's January 2018. And this cutoff is not because we don't want to do this anymore. It's because we want to actually make these episodes that we promised. And we want to really get into that and focus on that. So we're going to stop adding episodes to this list until we've actually gotten around to do all the ones that have been suggested in iTunes review uh, and reviews. But you can still get on that list. There's a couple of weeks left uh, at the time we're recording this. So please do go leave a review on the um, Shows What You Know podcast feed. And it would also be okay to do it on the... Uh, cut to black podcast feed if you already asked for one on our main one good point good point so yeah thanks thanks for checking out the show i uh, hope i'm excited to go through such a rich great show i haven't watched it in a long time so it'll be fun to go through it again and i look forward to discussing it with jacob who's never seen it before me too why why i'm growing up i'm becoming less of a baby everybody uh next time we're going to be watching anime with Jim, everyone. All the great animes that Jim has not watched, and yet he calls himself a television viewer? Ah, uh, that'll be a great show. And I guess we haven't discussed this yet, but you know what? What? Cut to black. <laughs>